Welcome to Real Estate Agent Superstars. I'm your host, RJ Baxter with Intercap Lending, and I have with me an awesome guest today. I have Lauren Dempsey of Real Broker joining me. She has just formed her own team called the Dempsey Group, and she has really built her business to a high level over the course of just four years. 130 homes sold in four years, and she sold 40 homes just in her first year. She's gonna share with us some of the things that she's done to build such a thriving business. Um, and I'm just super excited to have her here. So welcome to the show, Lauren. Thanks, RJ. Really happy to be here to share my story. Awesome. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. How did you become a real estate agent? What led to your career? Yeah. So I have a probably a little bit of an atypical career. I spent 14 years in the Navy. I graduated from the US Naval Academy. I drove warships for a few years, did PR and communications and got out of the Navy about eight and a half years after serving on active duty. My husband and I moved to the Denver area at the end of 2016 from the DC Beltway area. And I was just kind of trying to figure myself out after a career in the Navy, figuring out what I wanted to do next. I was finishing my master's degree. I was doing some startup stuff and just really exploring what life as a civilian looked like. I hadn't been a civilian since I was 18 years old. So just a lot of exploration taking place. I ended up getting a job at the National Renewable Energy Lab where I did some communications work and just really realized that I'm more of an entrepreneur and not a cubicle warrior. And I had always loved real estate. I bought my first property when I was 22. Growing up, my dad always used to talk about real estate and how important it was to buy. So that was hugely influential in my decision to buy at 22 out in San Diego. And when I realized that I just couldn't do the nine to five anymore, real estate was the immediate thought. And I ended up spending um, all beginning of January 2019 through May 2019, working um, on my license at Red Rocks Community College while I was working full time. I was able to get the GI Bill, so it paid for my real estate license. Mm -hmm. And it gave me a stipend to um, that I just put aside and it was actually a boost that I used to kick off my business and how I funded the beginning of my business. So I got licensed May 23rd, 2019 was my first day and it's been a roller coaster wild ride ever since. Sounds like a lot of uh, positives, though, through those first four years. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've grown so much as a person and personally, professionally. I've met some incredible people. I've had lots of ups and downs, but, you know, I could. That's the life of an entrepreneur, right? So I think having a growth mindset has really enabled me to persevere and succeed throughout. So, so tell me about your early success. Um, 40 homes in your first year, was it? right off the bat, you just hit the ground running or did it take a little bit of time to kind of build that up? Yeah. So I got licensed in May of 2019. I was working with another agent for a little bit, just kind of learning the ropes, but ultimately decided that I needed to uh, really focus on my business. And so I moved to a new brokerage and in 2020 was when I sold all those 40 homes. I was just determined, right? I was doing multiple open houses. Um, uh, figuring out how to run the business, learning, just going to classes as much as I could. I was really a sponge. And I've always been pretty strategic in how I approach everything. So I use my communications background to develop my strategy for the beginning of my business. And I 
I targeted three target audiences of who I wanted to work with as a new agent. And the reason why I did that was because I'm really big on going a mile deep and an inch wide. I don't want to be a mile wide and an inch deep. And I knew that not everyone is going to connect with me and I'm not going to connect with everyone else. So I really wanted to focus on the people who I would resonate most with. And my initial target audiences were um, women that are buying on their own, since I could relate to that from my own experience. Veterans, since I'm a veteran. And then the third top um, target audience was Arvada, which is where I live. And mm -hmm. as I look back on those deals, those first 40 deals, every single deal fit into one of those target audience categories. So it was very just strategic how I went about it and a lot of hard work, a lot of hustle. You know, I was working many, many hours every day, but I was determined to be successful. And one of the reasons too is everything that people had told me was that the business gets easier over time, right? But the only way it gets easier over time is if you do a lot of deals. And I really wanted to front end all of those deals, get as much as experience as possible on the table. And I call my first year in business, my year of yes. I said yes to everything. And I think that really set a strong foundation for me moving forward. Nice. So how much of your military background do you think went into um, how you structured your real estate business. What kind of lessons did you learn from the military that translated? Yeah, but I mean, I think it's perseverance, right? I do remember my first couple of months in the business. I'd been working six, seven days a week, and my parents were visiting, and I was just in tears. I hadn't closed a deal. I'd been licensed for three, three and a half months, didn't have a deal on the table. And I was like, am I going to be successful in this at all? And um, I had no other out, right? So when I quit my job, my husband shared with me that I burned the boats and there was no turning back. So their only way through this was to push forward. And, you know, fortunately I kept pushing forward and um, the rest is history. But I think the first six months are some of the most trying times in starting a new career, especially in sales and real estate. And um, it just was a year of grind and hustle and um, a ton of lessons learned and pivoting my business ever since. Great. Um, so uh, going back to the three target audiences that you identified, did you, how did you find these people? Was it just people within your sphere or did you, mm -hmm. were you reaching out to certain, uh, you know, areas mm -hmm. or segments or ways to meet people in those groups? Yeah. So I was new here, right? I got here literally December 16th or December 27th, 2016. So I didn't know that many people when I got my license, I've only been here for about two, two and a half years, um, but I was targeted. So every open house I did, I really wanted to be in Arvada. So I would call around to homes that were of interest to me and I would truly just try to focus in Arvada because I know that I could come across as the expert there and people wouldn't realize that I'm a, a baby agent with no experience. They would mm -hmm. just know that I know the area and that I seem competent. So that was a big part of my strategy. Second part of my strategy was hosting events. Um, I partnered up with my financial advisor at the time and we um, hosted women focused events where we brought in different experts, careers, that type of thing. So I would network that way. And then just from a veteran community, you know, online through my network here as an Naval Academy grad is super helpful. It's a unique 
network in and of itself being a service academy grad. So there's just opportunity to connect with service academy grads and veterans as a whole pretty easily. There's a lot of veterans in the Denver metro area too. So that's why I was just hyper-targeted on who I was approaching. One, because it made my life a little bit easier. It was an instant connection. There was uh, shared backgrounds and experiences. So it wasn't mm-hmm. feeling like a forced relationship at all. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So these events that you held with the financial advisor, that's, that's kind of interesting. How did you get the people to come to these events? Um, just ask, right? So I think people naturally want to meet other people. They want to expand their network. After college, it gets harder to meet friends. And I think that that is just super important. This is obviously before COVID, right? Then COVID hit and that shut that piece of, of the outreach down. But it's still, we did some stuff online um, that kind of just got old after everyone was doing that. But it was momentum to allow people to know who I am, to get to know me and um, to me just like expand my sphere. Like my approach to business has always been to just always add value. I really believe in education and um I am not a pushy person by any means. I really want to listen and help. And I think people just respect that approach of, you know, I can come to Lauren. I know that I can ask her a question. She'll give me honest feedback and will lead with pure intentions. Sometimes that leads to business. Sometimes it doesn't. But I think if you're leading of just always adding value, good things will come. Yeah, totally. So in what ways do you add value to your client base? Um, education. I really believe in being a real estate advisor for life. So I say in, um, in communication with my clients all the time, I have systems in place that make sure I'm staying top of mind and, um, they come to me for everything really. Like I've come become the, um, hub of the spoke, right? So HVAC person today or a financial advisor yesterday or a doctor, like just these different types of professions. I meet with so many people. So people just see me as a resource and, you know, I'm always just educating, informing about the market. I try to be a truth teller about what's actually going on. I used to work in PR and communications and worked with the media pretty heavily when I was at the Pentagon. So I think sometimes in real estate, the headlines tend to be sensational and dramatized compared to what's actually happening on the market. And for me this year, it's been truly about sharing the stories of successes that I'm seeing in the market, what is actually happening, because I think it's too easy to get caught up in the headlines and think that things are not possible for you. But if you have that mindset, you're not open to all the opportunities that this market has provided. So really just trying to explain how to maneuver and why now is a good time to make a move. Because I think, as you and I know, once rates drop, it's going to be pure chaos again. And honestly, I'm kind of seeing it already. I'm very busy right now. I mean, it feels like the Mm -hmm. spring. And I I think this is just the beginning. Um, There's just so much pent up demand and 7% interest rates can only hold people back for so long. Yeah, absolutely. What what you're describing reminds me of the book, The Mm Go-Giver. Have you read The Mm Go-Giver? Yeah, excellent book. You sound like The Go-Giver version (laughs) in the book. Connecting connecting people and being kind of that center. Um, That's great. Um, So what what have you done then to to stay consistent over the years? Mm-hmm. Is it just that adding value piece? Um, I mean, I have consistent things in place inside my business, right? So I have multiple touch points that happen every month. 
I have Homebot, which I send out and my clients absolutely love. And so that's mm -hmm. a touch point. I send out a monthly lifestyle postcard of nothing real estate related, but just stuff around town or interesting sites or things to see or do or learn about the Denver metro area. And then I share my newsletter as well. So when I was at previous brokerages, they would write the newsletter for me. Now that I have my own team and doing my own thing, pretty much I am writing the newsletter myself. And that's something I'm excited about because I get incredible open rates, um, lots of engagement on that. And I think it's just because it's different. It's not here is the price went up, you know, 1.5% from last month. Like that doesn't matter to most people. They don't understand how mm -hmm. it affects them. So really kind of the storytelling and the truth telling that I communicate in my newsletters, I think is why people open it and read it. So it's just been exciting to kind of implement those types of items into my business that are a little bit more authentic to who I am. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's great to have a brokerage to do a lot of that stuff, but my focus this year has really been building on my brand and I can only build on my brand when I'm doing things that are authentic to who I am. Uh, on top of that, I also host two events a year. So in May, I hosted a pickleball charity tournament, which is a great time. And then we actually just sent out uh, the invite yesterday for our second annual Photos and Pumpkins in the Park, where we have an incredible photographer mm -hmm. come do many family photo sessions and I think we had like 55, 56 slots open and half of them were taken in the first three hours. So it's definitely wow. kind of creating demand and creating fun. Like I'm all about connecting people. A lot of my business actually is in Arvada. So most of the people that come are actually neighbors. So I just like to make those okay. introductions and just see people on a level like that's not about real estate. It's more about life and how they're doing. So that an event is going to be in just about a month. It's going to be a good one. Um, it was very easy last year to set it up and we repeat it again this year. So, and the other thing that I do is I deliver pies, um, Thanksgiving. Mm. It's, I love that. <laughs> everyone keeps telling me, oh, just have them come to you, but I would never go to someone to go pick up a pie, right? I'd rather just go buy a pie. So I can't expect people to do what I wouldn't do myself. And I really enjoy the time. It's about four or five days where I just drive around the area and people invite me in. And I have really authentic one-on-one -on -one conversations with my clients. So there will be a point in time when it's going to be too many clients, but right now it's still manageable and still creates mm -hmm. impact. So it's important for me to keep doing that. That's such a great strategy. I've heard of other agents doing that, and I, I love that one. That one-on-one yeah. -on -one time is super valuable. And it allows you to enjoy the holidays, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, you can go, yeah. that's your last big push of the year. You know, then you can kind of take a breather and, and recoup and really focus working on your business um, to prepare for the next, next, next year. Unless you get 10 clients that want to do something in January. Right. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> pass them this year. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so with the pumpkin thing, I love that idea too. How much planning does that take? And I mean, is it, is, it a, is there a lot involved with that? No, it's really the easiest event of the year. I partner up with another agent and then a lender. And amongst the three of us, we, we did this last year. We got um, 125 voodoo donuts at the end of the event. Only 105 were left out of the 125. So people, wow. loved, they came for the voodoo donuts and coffee. Um, we had a local farm deliver pumpkins at the park. Uh, we didn't get a permit for the park because 
there was never going to be more than 50 people there at one time. So we didn't have to reserve that or anything. And then so we no just... one was arrested or anything. <laughs> we got there early enough and drove on the grass early enough with the pumpkins to not get in trouble. Um, and then the other thing is just getting some snacks and drinks, some yard games, and then we have an incredible photographer. Honestly, that's the piece you can't cheap out on. You have to get a truly stunning photographer because that's what will people will draw them in. And it's not like a hay barrel or like you sit on a haystack and a couple pumpkins. It's truly like a lifestyle type of photo shoot. So it's only five minutes per person, but they're getting 20, 25, like tr really incredible photos of mm. their family. So I think that's why everyone signed up super fast again today because the photos were just stunning. She's a very high level photographer. Um, so if you're gonna spend any money on anything, get a good photographer because that is what will bring people in. You won't have to beg anyone to come to your event. How, how much did you spend on the photographer you don't, if you don't mind me asking? Um, we're paying her, we'll probably spend somewhere between $1,500 to $2,000 for the photographer. The event all in is about $3,500. So it is the most expensive thing. We are adding in a videographer to capture the event this year. So that's adding oh. a little bit more of a cost, but really just trying to mm -hmm. show like, again, the authenticity of giving back, um, and having a good time. It's not just transactional. I am not a transactional person by any means. So really here to build those lifelong relationships. One of the other things that we do do is um, kind of pair it with a local charity. So our pickleball event, all the ticket donations went to a local women's charity that helps women, single women of color get into homes. So we donated about $2,400 to that charity, which is about 24% of the down payment a woman needs to get into a home in Denver through this program. And then this uh, photos and pumpkins, we're going to be donating to just toys to a precious child. And then when I do the pie delivery, I also do a food drive too. So trying to uh, create community and then also connect with the community and give back to is a big theme of what we do. Sounds like you have a lot going on this fall. That's, <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be tiring sometimes. I can um, use help if any agents are looking to join the team. I am actively searching for someone to help me in the business so I can help them grow their business too. So I'll put that plug out there. Awesome. Awesome. Wait, and what part of town are you located in? I'm in Arvada. So I really try to focus. Oh, right, right. Yeah. So Northwest Denver, West side of town from Littleton Highlands Ranch up to Boulder, Longmont areas, kind of my area okay. of expertise. Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, so what led to you forming your own team? Why did you decide to do that? Um, a couple of reasons. I, I'm actually at my fourth brokerage in four years. So I uh, am a fast learner. I grow pretty quickly and the models for each brokerage, while they really helped me at that point in time in my career, I needed more. And when you're doing like 40 biz deals a year, like that's a lot of deals. Um, and you just need a little bit more tailored, personalized support. So that's why I joined, I created my own team. I moved to Real uh, in September, almost a year ago to the date. One of the reasons why I moved there was because I'm really big on building my own brand, right? I need to own my name and I need to own the services and everything that I offer. Mm -hmm. When you're part of a brokerage, the brokerage tends to be their name first with Real and some of the other newer brokerages like I view it more as a compliance platform for me to build my brand off of. So that has been super helpful for me. When I announced that I had made the move and launched Dempsey Group, all my clients actually thought I started my own company, uh, my own brokerage. 
you know, it, it, I'll take it. But I think just that in of itself is, it seems like the feedback I was getting, people thought it was like more legitimized, right? I wasn't just uh, an agent doing agent business. I was building a real business. So that was kind of feedback that I got that I was not expecting from my clients, but they're all super happy and um, excited for me. So part of the reason too, is like why you need to build a brand is, you know, a lot of tech is coming for you. Tech is coming after your job. We've talked briefly about real estate uh, lawsuits and everything. So mm -hmm. I really wanted to spend this year building out a superior client experience and focus on my systems processes and build that professional brand that I think is what sets me apart in the market too. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, it seems like in a short time that you really put together a system and a process that, that delivers a high level of service to your clients and it's impressive. Thank you. So good job. I appreciate um, it. So yeah, so you, you mentioned briefly the lawsuit thing and mm -hmm. um, we talked about that offline with the commissions and yeah. there's been some recent news and this is something you, you mentioned to me before that's really mm -hmm. concerning to you and I think a lot of people in the industry. Tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, maybe for people that aren't familiar with it, what what's going on with this commission mm -hmm. lawsuit? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I first heard about the commission lawsuit. I can remember when I was told about it, I was getting my license. So I was in my real estate licensing class and the title rep who was teaching the class, she was pretty dire when she announced the lawsuit at that time. So there's two lawsuits, um, I, Merle and Spitzer, or I can't remember the, it starts with an S. Um, so essentially what those two lawsuits are claiming is that there's collusion within the industry and it's unfair for sellers to pay both the, um, the, their agent and then the buyer's agent. So it's definitely a bit of an attack on buyer agent commissions. Uh, it's been going through the judicial system, but they are class action lawsuits. So the smaller one is going to court in October and then the big one is going to court in um, 2024. But I think if you're starting to pay attention, you like pick your head up. One of the things I do every day is read the news. I read real estate news so I understand what's going on. And then eventually when you read it enough, you can connect the dots. Um, and we're already starting to see ramifications of what is going to happen as a result of these class action lawsuits trickle into our businesses today. So if you opened up RE Colorado just last week, you got notice that uh, buyer's agent commission is no longer a requirement. So before you can put as little as one cent, now you can put zero dollars um, for a buyer's agent commission. Uh, that started, I from what I understand, that is a break against um, the MLSs are going against NAR policy on that. Um, Bright MLS in the DC area was the first one to announce that. And then RE Colorado just did that last week. Other things that have been happening, um, you'll notice that Zillow is starting to make a big play for listings, right? Because that's Zillow makes a lot of money off of us from Premier Agents. So they are building out the super app and going after listings. So, you know, from that perspective, I've really have tried to focus on establishing my brand, what my values are, and then really aligning that with superior systems and processes and a client experience. And when I talk about client experience, it's not just about, oh, here's some cupcakes for under contract. It's 
the client experience throughout. It's the communication, the education, the knowledge that they know exactly what to expect. But then it's also the mm -hmm. advice, right? It's the strategy. It's managing expectations and making sure that I am aligned with my clients through every step of the way, because from experience, I know when you are misaligned, that's where problems happen. So over communication and educating and not taking anything for granted. We do this business all the time and it, things that seem to routine to us are abnormal to people who buy and sell just a few times in their life. So just kind of keeping that perspective is important. So I just kind of bring that all back to the lawsuits is because the business is going to change. The industry is already changing. And if you want to be ahead of the wave, like you need to really take a look and see what your value proposition is, because there are going to, could very well be a time where you as a buyer's agent are asked to justify your value because the buyer is paying for your time and services. Mm. So, so in what ways do you think this is going to shift the business? I mean, it's already shifting, right? So I think um, a couple things. I've seen some screenshots of MLSs across the country where the seller is offering 0% commission. Um, I imagine that some agents will try to win listings to um, by saying that they don't have to offer a buyer's agent commission, which is in their right, right? That's 100% true and accurate. The challenge is how does that play out in real life, right? Like if there's a 0% buyer's agent commission, how can a buyer who's paying 7% interest rates afford to get a buy down for those interest rates and pay their agent at the same time? It's just going to become really challenging from that perspective. So I think really honing in on your business practice is going to be important. I've already changed how I approach buyers as well. So I um, require them to sign a buyer's agent commission or a buyer's agent agreement after we um, do our initial consultation. I previously wouldn't do that. You know, I would wait until we're a little bit further along in the deal and establish a little bit more relationship and trust. Um, I also have changed the boxes that I check uh, where it says buyer is required to pay so that they understand that, you know, if the commission, if there is no commission, then they are required to pay for my services. So I think that just managing those expectations up front prevents surprises. And you know how I'm doing it now in my communication is like I'll look at a home before I show it. And if it's below, you know, two and a half percent, then it's something I am communicating to my clients now just to let them know like that they could be on the hook for paying me. Um, it's a difficult, different conversation that we have to have. But if you're not already practicing this and implementing your business, like it, it could be a wake up call when things change pretty rapidly. No kidding. So what percentage of houses right now are you seeing or listings rather are you seeing that have zero buyers commission on it? Hmm. I I haven't here in the Denver metro area. I do mastermind with a woman in Portland and she shared that she's seeing things like 2%, 1%. She's just noticing a trend there. So could that just be seasonal? Yes, but um, I have seen snapshots online of 0% commissions from MLSs across the country. So I do think that it eventually will take hold what form. I think it's all unknown and speculation at this point in time. But there is change coming. So if you aren't preparing your business and really realizing that you may have to work for those buyers um, and they may demand more of you to elect to work with you, I think if you're not already doing that, then you're behind the power curve. Well, I, it's going to have a huge effect, as you pointed out, on the lending side, too, because we're going to have to pre-approve people assuming that they have, you know, 
even if it's a 2% commission on a $700,000 house, that's $14,000 that a lot of people don't have. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, ultimately, I was at uh, Tom Ferry's conference a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things that he shared on stage, and this was actually a pretty big topic, it, two, two big topics were the commission lawsuits and then AI. Um, and what he said that there are like companies chomping at the bit to kind of be the legal zoom of real estate. So buyer's agents commission could potentially go away. Buyers go see homes on them by themselves. They hire, you know, write me a contract.com and they write a buyer's agent contract and, or an offer contract and mm. move forward. So I haven't seen anything like that, but that is something that he did share on stage about, you know, these different companies that are coming after our business and, it can be scary, right? I remember a time when it was a little overwhelming to see all this big tech coming in when iBuyers were huge and buy before you sell and everyone was kind of competing with each other. And how do you compete with the billions of marketing dollars that these companies have? And that's where I realized that I had to hone in on my relationships, my ex the client experience and the advising, right? Beginning before the transaction, during and like really becoming a true advisor is really where I've been focusing my time and efforts. Well, I was curious, what, what was Mike Ferry's take on AI? Um, it was Tom Ferry. That's his dad. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Oh, Mike Ferry. <laughs> yeah. Mike Ferry's the dad and, and Tom is the, the new guy, I guess. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, AI was huge. Like they were just showing, obviously we all know about chat GPT, but we were looking at avatars that could be created, how you can edit your videos, how you can, um, um, you know, use AI to remove things in photos, just like all this type of stuff. Wow. Yeah. I actually, one of the biggest takeaways is now I include AI on pretty much all of my communications when I'm doing virtual communications or even when I'm going out for a listing appointment or when I'm trying it with buyer appointments too, because ultimately I'm really trying to um, replicate myself, right? And I know myself too well. And if I'm going to try and train and teach other agents, then I need to take a step back. And I do feel like AI helps me take a step back and realize, you know, what I did well, what I, um, how did I communicate with the client? So like I can have um, AI in my Zoom meetings with clients during a consult, and then it goes through the transcript. And then I, afterwards I can go in there and ask them, what was the overall tone of the communication? Um, what are the takeaways? What are the concerns of the clients? And so it allows me to really ask some of these deep questions to understand the motivations, fears of my clients and understand what I did well, maybe not so well to address those items. So I think just from that insight alone, it's super helpful for me to, again, foster stronger relationships and really evaluate my systems and processes to know that they're actually effective. That's awesome. So what, I was curious, what AI do you use for um, yep. monitoring your conversations? Like, um, I use Otter AI right now. So okay. um, I used, just started using like maybe two weeks ago. And one of the ones that I had it listened to was just a long listing conversation with a, a family, a five person family uh, trust that was listing a home. And they really want to sell this home at a high price. And um it, I just couldn't justify the prices that they were going for. And there was definitely a lot of back and forth, a lot of pushing, but um, you know, we agreed on the price that we would move forward with. 
And afterwards, I went into Otter AI and asked it, I was just like, how was the tone of the conversation? And essentially what it said, it was just like there was some discussion about pricing back and forth. Um, the sellers tried to push the price, but they ultimately trust Lauren and her judgment and knowledge in the market. Oh, wow. So, I mean, when I saw that was the first time I use it and then I was just asking it some random questions when I saw that type of insight. I was like, okay, I need to be using this more um, because it's going to be a higher, uh, more efficient and effective use of my time, but it also is going to allow me to become a better agent in the process. That is awesome. I've heard about those kinds of technologies. It's mm -hmm. really cool that you're implementing that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one yeah. of the takeaways that is important that I want to share too from um, Tom Ferry was he made a statement that I thought was really critical. And he said, now is the time to go lean or go large. There's no room for being in the middle. So really evaluating your P&L, what you're spending money on, ensuring it is giving you an ROI and holding that accountable, I think is critically important. But also as we look at, you know, 20, 25% less deals, like how are we doing more with less revenue potentially, or how are we making it work for us? So I think leveraging these types of tools allows me to go lean and be able a highly efficient and effective organization. Nice. Are you using any other AI technologies? Um, I, I'm on ChatGPT all the time. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I, um, I've been training ChatGPT in a couple different ways. So I have um, a couple different conversations going on, one for my like email communications, one for my newsletter marketing communications, one for my LinkedIn posting. And then I have a legal one that I will go back and forth with like legal conversations. Um, and even I will provide some of the like the bullets that I've written in my contracts and I've sent it to ChatGPT to like legalize it and make it more clear. And it's done that for me. So, I mean, from that perspective, I think if anything, that's helping me safeguard my clients to make sure there's no more wiggle holes and, you know, things that are clear to me, but may not be legally um, to the T, right? Like we're not lawyers writing these contracts and we try to be as clear as possible, but I also don't have a three-year law degree of how to write legal verbiage. So really whatever I can do to protect my clients is of utmost importance to me. That's really smart. Have you upgraded to GPT-4 or do you use 3.5? Yeah. yeah, no, I use four. Um, I pay, it's like 20 bucks a month. So um, yeah. yeah, it's well worth the investment. And I think you just have to start using it, right? So um, two things, funny stories. I I mean, I don't just put it in there and take it out, right? Like I'm having actual conversations with ChatGBT and advising like how I want it written and things to take out and put in. Um, and they have two listings coming on the market this week. And one of them, I sent the marketing material to one seller and she said that she read it and she's just like, I mean, I was reading this listing description and made me want to buy the house and I own the house, you know? So she said that. And then just yesterday for the other listing I have coming on the market, she, uh, my client texted me, she's like, you have a way with words that really draws out of emotion. So I, of course, said thank you. You know, I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> they don't need to know the secret sauce. But I mean, just the, that fact alone, like, 
yeah, I'm trying to elevate myself and elevate my, my business and my brand and, um, you know, the service to my clients. And if I can write a highly descriptive, emotive listening description, I know that people kind of just push through them, but those are the things that matters to our clients. And so we mm -hmm. can't ignore it and we have to focus on what the important things are that, you know, helps put our clients' concerns at ease, but also enables us to um, draw buyers in and sell the home too. Yeah, yeah. So you uh, briefly mentioned LinkedIn, mm -hmm. and from my understanding, you have a, some pretty cool LinkedIn strategies that you're using to generate business. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I learned when I first started was you should go for 100% referral-based business. And, you know, I think that's great. Part of my strategy in the first year is I did use Premier Agent after I had done a couple of, like, probably 15 deals. I did pay for Premier Agent a little bit to build, boost up my um my lead sources. So that was super helpful, but I don't pay for leads anymore. Um, and part of that is like, that's where I learned the hundred percent um, referral or past clients fear-based business. So I bought into that for a few years until this new market, right? Hit me in the face and was just like, Hey, you need to increase, like add more funnels into your business. It can't always just be um, past clients and fear. No matter how great my systems are, you know, the news and the, the rates, like that doesn't necessarily bring new people into my pipeline. So I've really focused on bringing in additional funnels into my business. So a couple of them, I obviously really great sphere past clients um, processes. I've added farming into my business. And then occasionally I will do like circle dialing around my listings, um, expired for sale by owners, that type of thing. And then the other big area that I've done quite well in is actually LinkedIn. So I made a commitment in December of last year that I was going to post on LinkedIn every single day, including the weekends. And um, I've just kind of been doing that. Um, it, it takes time. So part of the strategy is I send 25 LinkedIn requests every day and then I write a post every day. And when I have time, I will definitely comment on posts and that type of thing. So through that, like I just started establishing my voice and what I realized is like there's no one on LinkedIn communicating the way I'm communicating. And it goes back to what we talked about in the beginning is always adding value, educating and telling the stories of my clients. So um, kind of with that perspective in mind, I have not put out videos of myself talking or anything like that. It's been purely just some graphics I find in the news or, you know, just text really just sharing these stories. And it's been highly successful. Um, I will make over $100,000 in GCI just from LinkedIn alone this year. So from clients that have reached out to me, um, but, and also like referrals that I'm sending out. So it also goes back to what we talked about in the beginning is really honing in on my niches and um, my target audiences. So I've really focused on the veteran outreach this year. And as a result, I'm sending I just sent out two referrals just this week alone from LinkedIn, and I have a call for a seven-figure listing just after this from LinkedIn. So I would say that um, it's an untapped resource. If you are posting stats and you're just listed and just sold on LinkedIn, you're not doing it right, and you're just part of the noise. But you really need to, again, go back to building your brand, who you are. Establishing yourself as a professional has been really critical for me um, and because... I view what we do um, as like 
the tip tip of the spear, right? That's a very military term, but I am uh, talking to consumers multiple times a day, dozens of a week, and I'm listening. They're they're telling me about their financial struggles or successes, their family troubles, you know, how the economy is impacting them, how inflation is like. I am right in the pulse of the American consumer, which is the um, biggest driver of our economy. So if I understand what's going on, I'm already ahead of the data before it even comes out and can be analyzed by the people behind the computer. So really sharing these stories, um, sharing what I'm seeing, providing advice that they may not have experienced before, I think has really set me apart and established me as an expert. I was asked to coffee last week from... um, Someone uh, at John Burns Research and Consulting, they do a ton of research for land development and everything like that. And it was a great conversation. And, you know, I use a lot of their data in my communications. Um, But, you know, one thing that they said is like, I've never seen an agent do what you're doing on LinkedIn before. Like, where is that coming from? And it really comes back to always adding value and kind of combating the negative headlines that we are constantly combating in our daily conversations with our clients. And it's really important for me because I feel like these headlines are having real impact on the consumer and it's scaring them. It's preventing them from taking a step in the market. And that, those are not just like short-term impacts. Those are lifelong impacts that impact their ability to have stability, um, uh, stability just from a place to live, but also from financial stability and the ability to generate lifelong wealth. So I kind of take it personally when we have these sensational headlines because they they have true impact. And um, it's not about my business. It's really more about how is this impacting a human being for their life? And that's not something that I particularly like to stand for. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, there is so much negativity out there. I don't know how many conversations I have every week of people that are waiting for the housing crash or, you know, they buy into the hype of, I can't qualify because interest rates are too high or whatever. There's nothing to buy or, you know, mm-hmm. there's just so many things out there that cause people to, to pull back and, and be scared to buy or sell. Exactly. So, yeah. I and it's, it's real. And we, you combat it every day. I combat it every day when we're yep. having the same conversations. So you have to break this cycle somehow. And it's not going to resonate with everyone. But if it resonates with someone, then I feel that's successful. So why LinkedIn, though? Why did you what what caused you to go that direction as opposed to Facebook or Instagram? I mean, did you know up front or have a hunch up front that it would be successful? I did because no one else was talking the way that I communicate um, on LinkedIn. Um, I also feel like professionalism in the industry is a big thing for me. Uh, I really view myself like a financial advisor or a lawyer. I am helping manage someone's a significant portion of someone's net worth as their home. So that's why I do take this job just so seriously. And I think we need to elevate the profession and understand like that is the reality of what we do every day. So I want to go where there are professionals. Um, and that is LinkedIn. One of the things that I've really been focusing on is I'm not trying to become an influencer. I'm trying to become a thought leader. And that has been that approach Mm. has resonated deeply on LinkedIn. The other thing that I do say, it's kind of blunt, but people on Instagram have dreams and people on LinkedIn have jobs. So people on LinkedIn Mm. have the ability to buy Real estate. Um, Yes, there are tons of people on Instagram that have jobs and are highly successful, 
but they're not necessarily going there all the time for the type of insight and advice that I'm providing on a professional network, which is literally LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, much more professional than Instagram. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's also crowded, right? Like I'm a sea of realtors trying to communicate and stand out on LinkedIn or on um, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. At one point in time, it just gets to be too much. So my motto this year has been consistency over intensity. And every day I just write on LinkedIn. It's struggle sometimes, but it's gotten easier. And me showing up every single day on LinkedIn, not everyone's engaging it. I know not everyone's liking it, um, but I know they are reading it because people come to me and tell me they're reading it and they enjoy what I'm putting out. I get messages from people who haven't liked a post, but say, ask questions. You know, I have people from all across the country coming to me asking for real estate advice in their neck of the woods. And that's how I'm able to just talk high level about the market um, and then connect them with a high quality agent as well. So it's just been this platform that I committed to using this year. And as a result, it's been a pivotal part of my expansion and business strategy in a very challenging year. Sounds like you have a lot going on and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on with us today. There's so many things that you've talked about today that people can learn from and I've been taking some mental notes myself. I, I took a lot away from this too, so thank you. Um, but you're just really an inspiration. It's easy to see why you're having so much, so much success. Thank you. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you, to reach out and um, the cold call that you gave me was not one I was expecting, but it, it's turned into a good relationship and conversation. So thank you very much for this opportunity. Yeah, you're very welcome. And if you're listening to this show and find it valuable, please subscribe to the channel so you can get future downloads and also consider leaving us a five-star review. Once again, my name is RJ Baxter, and I'm here with Lauren Dempsey of the Dempsey Group at Real Broker. And you guys have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.